Hey everyone, it's Michael O'Brien from Peloton Coaching. I'm an executive coach, author, and speaker, and you're listening to the Empower Good Podcast with Joel Moutre. It is a must-listen, must-subscribe-to podcast. So sit back and take a listen as we discuss my last bad day. Michael O'Brien, welcome to the Empower Good Podcast, man. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, but Joel, I'm, I'm totally pumped to be here. I, it's like it just was a spur of the moment thing, right? So uh, you, know what the, you know what the beginning of most of my podcasts go I like? They go something like this, man. We've been trying to connect for a long time, and we can't ha- we can't make it work. And so I'm so glad that you're finally on, everybody. This is lit- okay. So yesterday, I believe it was Mike or Michael uh, connected with me on uh, Instagram. And then this, this afternoon, we talked on the phone on my way home from work. And I said, hey, can you get on in 45 minutes? I don't even have any questions prepared. I don't know. You know, like, I just heard his story. He actually reached out. And so I'm excited. Like, you guys are in for a treat. It's going to be awesome. Um, again, welcome, man. And why don't you just start us off? Just give us, like, a little elevator pitch. Like, who are you? What do you do? And don't get too much into your background story because that's a surprise right afterwards. Uh, and then also how they can contact you. Okay, cool. So Michael O'Brien, so good German name, right? So, um, but today, professionally, I'm an executive coach. So I help mainly folks, sales and marketers, sort of slay the the worrying doubt that they have so they can have complete success. So, so many people don't have a great conversation with themselves, call it inner critic, call it gremlin, resistance, lizard brain. And I help sales and marketing folks sort of slay that so they can have not only the success on the outside, right, but success in the inside, the peace, sort of like really make that connection between mind, body, and soul, Uh, because I think you can have that. And we'll get into my story. There was a time in my life where I didn't have that. And so now I want to help leaders. So I do my executive coaching at a high level. But I also reach out to those folks like growing their career. And I include entrepreneurs in there because they're sales and marketers as well. And how people can get me best bet is my website, Michael O'Brien Shift, S-H-I-F-T. Got to put the F in there because if you don't put the F in there, it's a whole other URL, (laughs) right? So, yeah, you don't want that URL. So, yeah, you want MichaelO'BrienShift.com. And then there you can connect with me everywhere else like how we connected on Instagram and all the other famous social media platforms. Absolutely. Thanks for that good, awesome intro. And just from that right there, we haven't even gotten to your story yet. And everyone listening just knows already it's going to be a good interview. Um, but one of the first questions that I always ask everybody is because it is the why. Uh, many people seek to be successful. You know, there's a lot of business podcasts out there, uh, self-development podcasts, et cetera. And they Everyone always talks about what they do to be successful, kind of like self-development, what are your habits and stuff. Um, But what's different about Empower Good is that we don't just do things for the purpose of being successful, for the the purpose of, um, you know, making money, et cetera. Those are obvious. Like, you got to surprise your family, you know, you want to have certain things or whatever. But I, I like to ask, what's the why? Like, dig deep down inside. Like, some people have some crazy stories, and I know you for sure have one. Why, what, like... Putting all that other stuff aside, why do you do what you do? Because 
there was a point in time where I, I was just doing what I thought society wanted me to do and being a good societal soldier, right? Um, go to college, get a job, marry the girl, have the career. And in a lot of ways I was empty inside. Like you would know, look at me and like, I had a good job, a nice car, the whole thing. I had the pretty picture, you know, two daughters, wife, the whole thing, right? So on, on Instagram, if Instagram was around back then, it'd be like, oh yeah, a whole bunch of likes, uh, beautiful family, hashtag awesome. But I was, I was hurting inside and I was stressed. And, you know, we'll get into my story, but I, you know, coming out of that, I was like, I can help a lot of people sort of, you know, ease that pain. And so they can, they can be successful as, as successful on the inside as they are on the outside. And when you do that, like when you have that type of success, you can change more lives. I just believe that we're on this planet to change the lives of those around us. Absolutely. Um, and when we do that, like the planet can be so much better. And I really do think this is like a pivot point in time where I, I see us trying to do more of that to change how we are living together. Um, and so that's, that's sort of why I do what I do. I want to, I want to give back, you know, I'm lucky to be here Yeah, and you know, speaking, I want to make a difference. Speaking of, speaking of lucky to be here, um, you said that there was a before and after, you know, you didn't have peace. You didn't have satisfaction, et cetera. You were living the uh, cookie cutter life. What, what made the difference? What was the turning point? And yours is quite dramatic. Yeah. So what, well, we've talked about it. So, but it's, it's called my last bad day it was July 11th, 2001. So I was out at a company meeting out in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, about 45 minutes North of Albuquerque. They built a hotel in the, on native American uh, land and was just out in the middle of the desert. And I, I'm an avid cyclist was back then. I brought my bike out. I thought I would, I'd ride my bike in New Mexico. It was one state I had not ridden my bike in. I was like, I'll cross it off the list because I was good about crossing stuff off my list. And I found a little loop around the hotel. And I was going to do like 10 loops, this two-mile loop, and avoid the hotel gym and go to my meeting and get some fresh air, the whole jazz. On the fourth lap, came around a bend, and an SUV was totally in my lane. He had crossed over into my lane. And was going about 40 miles an hour. I could not react fast enough. I remember, remember the sound of me hitting his grill. And then the crash into his windshield. The screech of his brakes. And then the thud I made as I came off the ground. Uh, came to the ground off of his hood. And of course that, Joel, knocked me unconscious. But then I regained consciousness when the EMTs arrived. And I couldn't move. Even the thought of moving was painful. It was the worst pain I've ever had in my life, as you one can imagine. And the EMTs were asking, like, who was I? Because I had no identification on me at the time. There was no no such thing as like road IDs. I got but one here, right here's, there, man. Yeah, so I didn't have one. Like I wear mine faithfully now on every ride. But here's the thing: like this is only this is only a question another cyclist is going to appreciate. I asked the EMTs. I was like, how's my bike? 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, the people who are not cyclists are like, this guy's crazy. But th- for me, it was, it was a question to sort of cut the tension. And I tend to use humor to cut tension. And dude, it was one tense situation. Like I knew not by what the EMTs were telling me because they were being really professional, but I knew that the question of living and dying was a real question. And I really felt like, is this what it feels like to die? And I kept on willing myself not to fall asleep. It was like a mantra. It was like, Michael, don't fall asleep. Do not fall asleep. Do not fall asleep. Stay awake. Stay awake. Because I was worried that if I fell asleep, I may never wake up again. And again, I knew I was like, my, my life was sort of on the cusp. And it, they called the medevac helicopter to take me to the trauma center in Albuquerque. And as the whirly bird sound was coming closer and it was about to land, I made a commitment to myself that if I lived, life would be different. I would stop chasing happiness. Because the day before and all the time before, I was really great at chasing happiness. I, you know, like Basically, I'll be happy when, right? Sort of living a... Um, a do have be life, like do work really hard, have the stuff, and then I'll be happy. So work really hard, buy the car, have the promotion, have whatever. We didn't have social media back then, so there wasn't anything about followers and likes and stuff like that. But I really sort of thought like material goods, then I'll be happy. And the commitment I made was like, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm just going to be happy. I'm going to just be and stop chasing happiness. And they took me to the trauma center. It was a 19-minute flight in a helicopter. I never took my eyes off my flight nurse. They whisked me down the elevator and into the trauma room. I met my surgeon. And then the next, next four or five days, I don't remember a thing. I was in the ICU. Wow. First surgery. First surgery took about uh, 10, 11 hours. I needed 34 units of blood product. Um, Because what happened, what made it a life and death situation, besides breaking a whole bunch of everything, my left femur shattered. And when the left femur shattered, it lacerated my femoral artery. So I was, in essence, bleeding out in the middle of the desert. The doctors told my wife, if I was 10 years older or not in shape, I probably would have died before I got to the hospital. Yeah, because of all the internal bleeding. You know what's yeah. crazy is that I was actually an EMT for about seven months uh, as I transitioned, and it was it was some really exciting time because I I like that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, you know, it's actually I'm a fellow cyclist, but I'm also a you know a fellow medical person. So I I, I realize how crazy that is because I've stand stood in the ER and actually watched as they do those those quick, hey guys, somebody please get that thing down his throat. You know, he's gonna die. Kind of like you know like you know, the, the real hardcore trauma surgery, I watched it and it's, it's not a joke. How did this, you know, you, you made that kind of commitment to yourself. You know, I remember you told me earlier in our short conversation in the car, this was kind of like a turning point that you kind of made a commitment to be different. Um, how is that different now? Like, obviously, you know, you, you took you like, I don't know, 10 surgeries and, you know, probably, you know, physical therapy and all kinds of, you know, stuff over the years. Now you're riding bikes again. Now you're, you know, how did it how did it end up being different? Well, I had a big um moment that I call sort of my shift, but it was it was several weeks into my rehab and into my recovery. So when I came out of the ICU, in the whole spirit that we go where our eyes go, like I got dark quickly, like angry, 
fearful, I was revengeful. Eye for an eye, right? Driver harm me, I'm gonna get back at the driver. Like because sue, the doctor- I'm gonna sue the living daylights out of that guy. I was gonna, like anything, like, like I'm not proud of this, but in the middle of the night, like I couldn't sleep. So the hospital was dark and quiet. I, I, I would scheme up things in a way to get back at the driver because I was so angry. I, was, I believe he took every, everything from me. Because the doctors painted a picture of like a lifetime of limitations, a lifetime of dependency. And all I could see was everything that I didn't have anymore. And I tried to put on the like the Superman face, like when people are around, like, we got this, we're gonna do this. But when they left after visiting hours were over, ooh, I went dark. Like I cried. I can't remember how many nights I cried myself to sleep, just sort of asking myself the question, like, why me? Why did this happen to me? And then eventually they flew me back to New Jersey and I went to a couple of different hospitals. And then I had a moment where I was like, whoa, like if you're gonna be the best person you can be, the best husband, the best father, just the best version of who you can be, lose all the comparison stuff that I was dealing with before my accident, then you had to like, change the question. So instead of like, why me was like more, why not me? Like I could be defined by how I responded to this and not by it. And it's a sort of an old quote for, uh, from uh, Victor Frankl. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Like I had to get my mindset right. And I had to start thinking about what I still had and what I could still do, sort of in the spirit of gratitude. And that was the, that was the big shift, but by no means it was like a light switch it wasn't like you know, like dark light switch ah light and all good it wasn't linear like there were ups and downs and sideways but that was the start i was like like i had my purpose like i had i was like i was gonna i'm gonna be the best dang husband and father and person i could be and that's it, it wasn't about money it was about anything else it was just about that and that got me, that gave me the mojo to get up in the morning and show up differently so I could get better. You know, this is a very inspiring, powerful story. And I, there was a phrase that you actually mentioned in the DM as well as uh, on the phone. What is that phrase that kind of summarizes that turning point in your life? So, um, well, it was basically um, the big, my big shift about creating better tomorrows. Like I was, I wanted, um, you know, I wanted to work really hard today to make the tomorrows better. And I just sort of fixated on that. And also just the whole last bad day, right? I put a stake in the ground on July 11, 2001, that that was going to be my last bad day. That everything beyond that, I was going to, I might have challenging days, but I wasn't going to ever use the label bad. So I would wake up with purpose, with intent, and thoughtfulness and mindfulness and everything else and work really hard today to make tomorrow better. And to put, you know, the last bad day, keep that stake in the ground. And, you know, so now, now a whole bunch of people in my life know it, people have read my story know it, and I'm like, that's it. And so I've definitely have had tough days since then, but I haven't had a bad day since then. I, I really, really like that. I think, you know, instead of setbacks, it's, you know, opportunities, you know, <laughs> really, it's the way you think about it. One last question kind of here on the, the why, the philosophy, it's kind of like the more thinking part of our podcast, because I want to get into some practical things. 
because you've done a lot of cool things since then. Uh, you know, obviously not everyone has gone through a traumatic accident like that. Um, other people might've had family members die. Um, other people, it's just the stresses at work. Like today was extremely stressful for me at work. Um, what percentage uh, is mental? Because obviously things happen, right? Family members die, you know, you had an accident, you know, uh, coworkers are, uh, you know, have, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, what percentage is mental uh, and how important it is to realize that, become self-aware about that real quick? I think, I think it's probably, I want to put it really high, like, you know, 80, 90%. There's a Yogi Berra quote out there about, you know, the 90% of the game is half mental. You know, I think it was something like that. But I think the mental part of it is so key. It's the gateway to everything else. It's the gateway to skill building. Um, so for me, it may not be 100%, but I'm going to put it, I'm going to peg it at 90%. I've realized that as well, because, you know, I, I, you think about anything that can happen to anybody. The only thing they can't, anybody can't take, they, they could beat you up. They could steal from you. They could, you know, hurt you. They could take your, you know, family or your finances or whatever. And uh, the only thing they can't take away from you and control is your ability to, uh, how you respond to something. But um, I want to I transition in, uh, into the next phase of our conversation, which is on the practical side. What do you do? Because Empower Good is also, you know, it's all about learning and sharing. You learn lessons in this traumatic experience. But, you know, like you can't share without learning, but you definitely did a lot of learning. What did, what did you practically do to share that with the world? So it took me, third, well, 16 years actually to write my book. Uh, 13 years to start my company. So a couple different things there. So when I was in the ICU, I kept on repeating this guy's name. I kept, well, one, you should, I, we didn't talk about this, Joel, but I, I told my wife to buy Amazon stock when I was in the ICU. It was $15 a share back then. Are you kidding she me? Did, yeah, no, yeah, she, did, she didn't buy it, but I have forgiven her for oh. that. But oh, here's the other funny part. Like, like, so here's the other funny part. Though she walked into ICU one morning and I interviewed her for a job for my company and I didn't hire her, right? I was like, I've been in a pretty bad accident. I think I'm gonna have to get back to you. So she's forgiven me for that. But what, the guy I kept on repeating his name was this guy named David Colt. And he was the first guy I ever knew as an executive coach. And I knew when my wife told me about that, I was like, oh, seed's been planted. And one day I would become an executive coach. So that took 13 years after the accident. And then when I came out and started my coaching firm, people were like, you got to write your story. And I thought about writing a story, but I got onto life and I never did it. And I finally decided to write it. But people originally said, you have to write your story. It's going to be great for your business. You'll get speaking gigs, the whole thing. You'll make a lot of money. And I was like, I don't know. Like I would write and I would stop. I'd write and I'd stop. And then I took a course actually with Seth Godin. And I was like, I'm going to pressure test this whole book idea with this audience. And the first, first session, he was like, well, what's it for? And I was like, what's it for? And I was like, the book's for my girls. And then it's not about making money. And then we built on that idea. I said, well, if it's not about making money, why don't we give all the money away? 
So last year we released my memoir, Shift, Creating Better Tomorrows, and decided to give all the money away to, all the proceeds away to World Bicycle Relief. They're an amazing organization. They're based in Chicago, but they give the gift of mobility to um, girls in countries like Kenya and Malawi and Zaire. They give them a bicycle so they can conquer the challenge of distance. So they get to stay in school. They graduate. They have more independence. They also bring bicycles into the villages so people can get to healthcare into the marketplace. So in a lot of ways, I took my last bad day and hopefully created better days for other people. Because uh, my story was never about making money. It was all about, hey, like you too can get over what, what obstacle is in front of you with the right mindset and a strong community. You know, I think that's really, really powerful. I'm going to ask you this because I, you, t you told me the answer earlier, but if you could go back and undo the accident, would, 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 you know, would you do that? No, no way. I, like the thing, I totally believe things happen for a reason. And one could argue maybe I didn't need that loud of a wake-up call, you know, because I'm a light sleeper, right? So, but... It was a pretty big wake-up call. And again, I, it wasn't like I was on skid row. Like I was, you know, I had sort of like the life that I think a lot of people sort of aspire to, like a good career, the whole thing, but I wasn't happy inside. And my accident, my last bad day, basically shook us all up and got me to see life completely differently. And I'm a better person because of it. And you know what? My daughters are better people because of it. I, you know, and I think my marriage is stronger because of it. So, I, you know, in a lot of ways, it was a total blessing that it happened. You know, again, painful and full of suffering. And now my job is to help people sort of make their shift without going through something like that. But yeah, no, I wouldn't turn back time. It's made me who I am today. And it's put me in a position to hopefully change more lives and, you know, help the, help the girls that will bicycle relief, relief helps. And, and so, no, I, like, I wear it with, I, I wear it as a badge of honor. That is really inspiring. Thanks for, thanks for being willing to share the, share the story. Before we uh, get to our end here, I just, I want to, I want to pick your brain on uh, some practical stuff. I actually want to write a book cool. later on about how it's never been a better time uh, to, to you, to share good things, you know, and, and kind of like more on the uh, nonprofit side or whatever, but that that's beside the point. The point is what it take us real quick. Cause like, we don't make this practical. So some people on this, sh uh, on this show, they want to, they want to start a podcast. They want to, start a vlogging channel or the YouTube and, or make, you know, start a business or a nonprofit or something like that. And so I like to make it practical. So I want to pick your brain on how, like just the process of writing a book. Like, did you self publish? Like, how do you like come up with ideas? And this would also transfer to somebody who wants to like think about what channel, what, what topic they want to talk about. Just kind of like, how did you start the book thing? And what is, what was your, what was your workflow and what are the steps that you went through? Even just, you know, nitty gritty. Yeah, so I had a whole bunch of journal entries from when I was in the hospital and I would just write or type. And I had a whole bunch of that. So I had like, imagine like a desk full of journal notebooks and chicken scratch and stuff on the computer. I had all that. And 
I just looked at it as a pile and I would write a little bit and I would go on tears and I would try to write in the morning, but I wouldn't write every morning. And, or I would just have an idea pop in my head, like wherever, and I would just write it down or now with apps, you could do it on Evernote and all this stuff like that. But for me, the hardest part was like this, the flow of the story. Like I knew how the story began, but I didn't know how the story ended. And I was like, I really need an editor, right? So one of the things I've learned through my journey is like, I'm not embarrassed to ask for help, right? So I knew I couldn't do it soup to nuts. One, I'm, a, I'm, I'm sort of a horrible typist. Like I'm like typo city, right? So I'm like, <clears throat> I need an editor to sort of double check my typing, right? And so I've, I found an editor who also happened to do some really great aesthetically pleasing publishing, which I'll get to in a sec. And she was like, hey, Michael, well, how, where does the, when does the book end? And I'm like, but Sal, I go, I don't know, Sally, the book doesn't end. I'm still living this journey. Like, I'm still on this road to hopefully self-mastery. And she was like, well, it's a book, Michael. You, it's got to end. So I was like, well, I need, you, I need you to help me end the book. And, and so I struggled with that. And then we, we talked through it and we found, you know, found a way to end the book. But I hired her. Like, I, I didn't go... It, it's a self-published memoir because a lot of the publishing houses, they'll look at you and they're like, well, are you famous, basically? How many followers do you have on social media? So I'm new to Instagram. I was just getting back onto Facebook and Twitter. And so when they would look at my social media presence, they're like, yeah, not famous enough. So I got rejected by, you know, a few publishers. So I was like, I was going to go self-publishing, but I didn't want to go to like, you know, create space on Amazon because I wanted something aesthetically pleasing. So I found a publisher that would put together a lot of great creative because all my bikes happen to be handmade bikes. So I, I look at my bike as like functional art. And I wanted my book to be something that looked good on the bookshelf because it was my story. And I wanted, I wanted my daughters to have copies that were really special that could sit on their bookshelf forever. So the route I took was probably pricier, more expensive than your average bear. But I was looking for something different because I wanted to give special copies to my surgeons, to my physical therapists, and like really key people in my recovery because I'm not, I'm not here without them. Like the story of my recovery is just not my story. It's a whole, it's a whole Peloton, if you will, right? A uh, whole for tribe. Those are, for those so, but the South Peloton. For those who don't know what a Peloton is, it's a group of cyclers on the road. Yeah, it's like a bunch of peacocks in Lycra. So uh, it's a, it's my metaphor for a tribe, right? So, um, so I, I so I could have gone like the Amazon self-publishing route, but I didn't because I wanted something aesthetically pleasing, you know, graphically pleasing, and I got that. But not, you know, but I was going for something completely different, and then. You know, then I, I worked with WBR, World Bicycle So one of the, you know, I, was, I wanted to work with an advocacy group because I wanted to give the money away. But I also knew that I could also leverage their PR muscle, right? So we did a couple PR releases and I got to use some of their social media muscle to get the word out, um, which is great. So it was sort of a win, win, win all around. So uh, writing the book is easier than trying to publicize and market the book. Really? So the making of the book is, the launch is harder, huh? 
the launch is harder and here's why because like the book is always with me like i can go upstairs and i have a bunch of copies in my office and so sometimes i feel like people are tired of hearing about the book like how many posts about the book you know like and the thing is we we know intellectually that people only see like 30 percent of what we post but I'm posting it all the time. And it, sometimes I get in my own head, right? I try to help others get out of their own head, but I'm human too, right? And I get in my own head from time to time. And I'm like, uh, people are probably tired of hearing about this. But what I found is that people are like, yeah, you know, six months later, like, I gotta really buy your book. And I'm like, why haven't you bought it? I wanna say, why haven't you bought it yet? Come on, like buy it, right? But so that's the harder part, right? For, at least, from my perspective. And it's also different because I, you know, I don't make any money off of it. I give it all away. So it's also sort of a different dynamic there. And now publishers are like, how are we going to make money? Like if I, if I wanted to go to a publisher now, they're like, how are we going to make money off of this? You're giving everything away. I go, yeah, I am. And uh, it feels pretty dang good. So, you know, I'm pretty cool with that. You know, that, this is really awesome because uh, it, it kind of gives me, uh, you know, some ideas on what I can do to prepare. I like what you said there in the beginning, and I want to come back to that real quick on how, you know, you had, you had gathered notes, you know, you were kind of documenting the process. And a lot of times people think, at least for me, like for me to sit down and write a book, it's kind of hard, you know, the idea of like, or sitting down, like people think like, I can't podcast or I can't you know, YouTube or whatever, because just coming up with an original great content right off the bat is not always the easiest, but I really like how your story exemplifies the philosophy that if you just document and take down notes here and there, you don't even have to journal, just somehow, you know, start, you know, documenting or, or, or recording the journey a little bit. What you can do is you just reference that later. You're, you're just taking content that already exists. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm, you know, when I read books that are on the topic that I could use as references, I, I literally, I'm reading a book right now and I just literally put B next to the underline. And that's just like, I can go back and I can just flip through the book and look for the B's, which is, you know, stuff that I could use in the book, you know, or, or things like that. And I have a little uh, note taker on my, on my phone. Whenever I think of an idea, just jot it down, you know, and uh, that kind of helps gather. So when you're actually sitting down to write it, you, you have a place to start, you know. No, I think that's really wise. I think I think life gives us a whole bunch of content, right? So there was something I heard today. Right now, I can't remember where I heard it, but I was like, "Oh, that's that's like a that's like a little seed of an idea." Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about it, like, "Well, I can put my own spin on that and make it my own," and that'll become like um, a video a video uh, tip that I'll post on YouTube and send out to my mailing list. So I think there's a whole bunch of that stuff out there if we're just if we're just paying attention to it, that these great ideas and we we just put our our twist, our angle on it, and hopefully it's very relatable to the type of people that we want to reach. Um, I do believe though everyone, Joel, has a book inside of them. Now we just have to define like what the book looks like. And I think nowadays, a book can be a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be 250 pages. It could be something short and sweet um, or somewhere in between. But I think there are so many wonderful everyday hero and shiro stories out there. 
I think those are the ones that truly inspire. Um, you know, obviously the celebrities are inspiring as well, but I get, I get more inspired by everyday people just doing great work and changing lives that way. Yes, it's so true. And when I, when I think of the kind of journey that I've been on, you know, even with empower good, when in the beginning, when I just had my Instagram only, and I wasn't, you know, uh, taking content from the podcast and putting it on my Instagram channel, I would come out with a video every single day. And I've done a lot of public speaking. And so coming up with thoughts is not the hardest thing. But people are like, oh, how in the world do you come up with something like, like really powerful every single day, like a one minute video? Like, how do you do that? Well, it's just because I documented them. I just literally, whenever I think of it, I just write them down. And sometimes when I didn't think of anything on the spot, I just have to go to my notes and be like, oh yeah, that's, I'll, I'll, I'll do my own spin off of that. And I, you know, I, I wanted to comment on one other thing that you had said as well, that everyone has a book inside of them. I think that's such a powerful concept. And it, like you said, it comes in different forms and shapes. Sometimes it's a podcast for some people. Sometimes it's a, a, a blog, you know, more short form or, or a video or whatever. How does somebody um, discover, like you said, they might not, they think they don't have an, they don't have a crazy story like you or just an inborn national passion about a certain topic like I already have discovered. They know, they, a lot of people that listen to Empower Good, they know that they want to make an impact. They know that they have something to offer the world, but they're not exactly sure what it is. And then and like, how does someone go from zero to one, like to discover what the topic is and then actually start like, how do they even choose what channel? Like, should they write a book? Should they do a podcast? Should they do an Instagram channel only? Like take us there. Yeah. So I think, I think they try some of those channels on for size, you know, and just see where they're comfortable. If they know they're not a writer, right, but they're really great with a spoken word, maybe it is like going on something like Anchor and just starting there uh, before they transition to vlogging on YouTube. But I'm a big believer in trying all this stuff out. Like, again, when I left corporate America into coaching, I wasn't doing any of this, right? And now... I do almost all of it and I try a little bit on for size and see where I'm comfortable, see where I'm not comfortable in terms of like the zero to one. I think you find something in you and it can be just a little bit of a little seedling and then you just start, you sort of just do it. Even if you suck at it in the beginning, um, my oldest daughter started writing a blog last year. She's a sophomore in college and we had a little talk, uh, during Christmas of her freshman year. And I said, hey, you know what? I care less about your grades. I just want you to have a, an opinion about something. You know, I want you to express your voice. And she was like, well, here's something that she really cared about. It was like, like mental health awareness. And she's just right, writing a blog about that and sharing her ideas. And it started off, her blog started off with like a little bit of that and a little bit of a whole bunch of other like college things like the 10 things you miss about high school, right? Stuff like that. And then all of a sudden she was like, no, no, I want to write more about um, destigmatizing mental health. And she started writing more about that. And that became, that became her big thing. Um, and now she's thinking about doing a podcast. So, it, you know, it's just started with like one simple blog post about, I can't remember what her first blog post was. It must, must've been just an introduction to who she is. And then it's morphed into something pretty special with a particular niche. So I think you just you just start and you iterate and iterate and iterate and it gets better and better and better as you go forward. 
Yep. That happened with Power Good too, man. I started off, you know, the, the original vision for Empower Good was more humanitarian, you know, go on, do community service, that kind of thing. But as I've spoken, as you communicate your ideas, as you think out loud, um, it starts to change and it gets more and more clear and it's just powerful. What you just said, I can testify that is true. Um, before we, before I let you go, I wish we could talk forever because I mean, we, yeah. I, I can't wait to continue. Well, remember, hey, if you come out to May in May to visit Gary V. It's Airbnb at my house. Isn't it crazy that I'm, I literally met this guy on the internet two days ago and I might be going to New York in May and, uh, the, you know, I trust the guy and he trusts me, <laughs> you know, so I might stay. We got that. We got the spare, we got the spare bedroom already ready for you, Joel. So we got it. It's like, uh, it'll be like a bed and breakfast, you know, get your order in for breakfast early, right? That's awesome, man. That's awesome, man. Last question, last question here. And that is you can't share what you don't know. Uh, what's the number one thing that someone has shared with you? Uh, it could be a quote, uh, a device, a resource that has impacted you the most, that has helped you learn so that you can then be, uh, emp- be empowered to share and help other people. So the one quote that stuck with me for most of my life, I was, I was 10 years old and I was just starting Little League Baseball. And my coach was Mr. Round Brown. And he had a mantra, he had a quote, and it was like, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And if I have a superpower, it's resilience, right? And like, if I have a powerful I am statement, I am resilient. I fall down seven times, I get back up. There's also a Japanese phrase called wabi-sabi that sort of loosely translated means broken but better. And so I am a big believer in that. You know, like, keep going, keep pedaling. And like just showing up and doing that, you know, you're halfway there to success. And that's, you know, that's how I sort of lived my life. Obviously, I had to live a lot of that during my recovery. But as a sales and marketing pro, I, you know, they have to do that all the time. And so that quote, when people ask me, like, what's your favorite quote? When the going gets tough, tough get going. And I, that's, uh, if I had a tattoo of a quote, that would be it. I don't have a tattoo, so no quote yet on that. So, <laughs> Dude, I love it, man. It has been absolutely a pleasure to literally meet you today and already have done a, such an awesome, awesome podcast. And it's not bad for an impromptu podcast interview with no preparation, huh? Yeah, that was pretty good, man. It was, it was a wild, yeah, a couple IG DMs. And uh, here we are. That's, it's pretty cool. No, it was awesome to meet you, Joel. Thanks for having me on. And I hope your listeners got a a few pearls out of it. And May, you're staying at our house because I know it's going to happen for you. Good vibes your way that you're going to meet Gary Vee and make this happen. I appreciate it, man. Thanks again for joining me. Wow. What an epic episode. Seriously, these episodes are getting better and better and better. And I'm just thoroughly thankful for the fact that you would take your time to listen and to be inspired and empowered. Go ahead and visit EmpowerGuy.org for more resources as well. If you want to stay in touch and and to really not miss any episodes or anything, go ahead and hit us up on social media as well as like, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on the platforms in which you are currently listening. Finally, just want to say a quick thanks to my EmpowerGood team, Karen, Ricky, Brian, and Jasmani. And until next time, do not forget to empower good.
Hey everyone, Joel here with a little post-episode bonus. I actually am going to New York. God pulled through, found a sponsor, going to VoiceCon 2018, going to meet Gary, going to stay at Michael's house, and going to meet a bunch of awesome people.